Well, good morning, Centennial. It is so great to be with you this morning. For those of you that don't really know me, my name is Lisa Homeland, and my parents, Bill and Becky Homeland, they have been members here at Centennial for about 20 years. I first attended Centennial when I was in uh, senior in high school. And um, very soon after that, I was our church's first intern in 1999. Uh, this picture is kind of fun because there are quite a few faces of people in here that you might recognize, including the Haytacks when they were dating, um, and Myrna, uh, we got a Tim Reed in there, a Matt, Michelle, um, many others. But uh, this was the summer that I was interning here at the church my father is a retired covenant pastor, and I uh, also kind of followed in his footsteps of becoming a pastor and going into ministry, and I felt a really, really strong call to ministry um, that summer, um, and it was right here on this stage, right over to the side, where um, I really had uh, someone pray over me um, to, to go into ministry, really feeling the call of God on my life. I've served on staffs in churches in California and Washington State. I nannied for families quite a bit when I was in seminary, and even while I was on staff at a few of the churches. I'm naturally a kid person, and obviously it was a draw for me to work with student ministries and family ministries at these churches. Since I haven't been married, or I don't have children of my own, um, it's been a gift to be a nanny, to help raise these kids into um, discipleship, and raise these kids to get to know um, who they want to be, how they want to impact the world around them. A year ago exactly, I had left my church in Washington, and I was leaving to go for a year being a missionary in Argentina as a covenant missionary, and um, it was just after six months that I had to come home early because of COVID. So what did I do? Every person's dream at age 41. I moved into my high school bedroom at my parents' house. <laughs> and here I am, not knowing what to do with a job, so I nannied. I have two master's degrees and about 20 years of pastoral ministry experience, and I am a nanny. A few years ago, I would have been so ashamed of what my life is looking like right now. But can I tell you something? I am really content I am really content in this season. It almost sounds like a year 2020 joke. You know, for many of us, life at age 41, being a nanny, living in your high school bedroom, would be kind of similar to a dumpster fire. That's right. Think of a dumpster down an alley that happens to be on fire. Not only does it smell bad, but it's on fire. Um, but it doesn't help, in addition, when we have those negative views, to have these 
negative thoughts in our mind and criticisms that will fuel that dumpster fire. Ironically, I'm not experiencing that right now. I don't understand it either. I really don't understand. But I am living one of my most contented moments in the midst of a pandemic while caring for a mother who's quite sick and being a nanny. I have chosen to be comforted by God's work and to live into the joy that he gives me instead. This Advent, Pastor Carl has been preaching to us about joy and comfort. And if we let our hearts and our minds go down that trail, down to the dumpster fire of disappointments, the very truth of God's love and hope and peace, joy and comfort, really can be stolen or destroyed. Do you remember when Jesus was talking in John chapter 10, verse 10? He was talking about the evil one, Satan, really. How the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, but I have come that, that they might have life and have it to the full. This is the same baby that was born 2,000 years ago to bring joy and comfort he knew that we needed to find ways to protect and guard our hearts and minds that want to be stolen or destroyed. Will you open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4? Um, I am crazy enough to want to preach on the whole chapter, but um, I'm not going to read through it, but we're going to hit most of it this morning. I love this chapter. This chapter of Philippians has so many great Bible verses in it, and it starts off nearly with one of my favorites, which is in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, I'm someone who expresses emotions quite easily. For those that know me quite well, you are not surprised when I am stressed out or upset my emotions shine quite well. I am a sorry for those. But on the flip side, because I express my emotions so well, when I experience joy, I experience deep joy. When I was in college, my friends would say, Lisa, it is like you are leaking Jesus juice everywhere. You are someone who has a gift of joy, and I give that credit to God. I think I like this verse so much because it gives me a reason to remember to rejoice in God always. One thing that's interesting to remember is that when Paul was writing this book of Philippians, he was in prison. And I don't know about you, but rejoicing is not something that would come naturally to me when I was in prison. And what's also interesting is right after verse 4, he goes into verse 5, and he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It is clear that Paul 
even though his life looked like a dumpster fire from the outside also, was not choosing to live into that. But he wanted to focus and remind others to instead have a life that is reflective of Christ Jesus. The letter to the church in Philippi, which happened to be one of the very first Jesus communities that was formed in Eastern Europe, it was also found in Acts chapter 16. I believe we're heading there next in our sermon series. Philippi was a Roman colony. So what that means is think of a lot of military that was living in that area. And think of their allegiance to the king and and their government officials. When Paul shows up on the scene to bring about a new church, and he's talking about how there's this baby that's been born and how he's going to be the king of the world, the people did not like this. It was a threat that there was going to be another king overtaking their king. And for that reason, that's why they threw Paul in jail. Well, when Paul moved on from Philippi, the Christ followers continued to face opposition and persecution. But they also chose to remain a vibrant community that was faithful to the ways of Jesus. The main meat of the book of all of Philippians is found in chapter 2. Chapter 2 is kind of the hallmark famous passage of Philippians that talks about the incarnation, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the exaltation of Christ's life. Every other part of Philippians is a reflection back on to that passage in chapter 2. And it is reinforcing the importance of how living as a Christian is a means to seeing your own story reflected in the story of Jesus. Let me say that again. That living as a Christian is a means to seeing your own story reflected in the story of Jesus. In chapter 4, we see that Paul challenges the Christians to keep living out the example of Jesus. He starts out with confronting some disunity among the leaders in the church. There were two women who were leaders in the church. One thing that's encouraging to me, being a woman in ministry, is to see there were women in the church that were leaders. What was not encouraging to me is that they were human, like all of us, and they were in tension with each other. They had conflict, and Paul needed to remind them of the humility of Christ to forgive and to be unified, which is essential in Christian community. Now, I don't know about each of you, But when I have been hurt, or when I have been wronged, or when I'm disappointed, hopeless, or focused only on myself, I don't tend to experience peace, or comfort, or joy. I might actually be a contributing factor 
to more chaos and to more hurt and disunity. You know, if I don't address my insecurities and my sin to be humble like Christ, I will not be living that reflection of Jesus Christ. And no, it doesn't always help to bottle up those fears and insecurities either and to not talk about them or not share them. We see in verses 6 and 7 to do exactly the opposite. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to continue to experience the comfort and joy of Jesus, even outside of Christmas time, you're going to need to learn how to put into practice the presenting your request to God. So we need to present our request to God, but there's the hang up. There's something we need to do when we present those requests to God. Do you see it? It says you need to do it with thanksgiving. Now, having a heart of thanksgiving is a choice. You are the only person who is responsible for being thankful in your life. No one else can make you thankful. What is the results of this request? What are the results? An instant answer from God that our answers and our questions and concerns will be taken care of? No. If that was the case, I would be uh, living in a beachside mansion with a family of my own and retired 10 years ago. <laughs> that hasn't happened for me. No, what he promises us is his peace. And this is the premium quality of peace that will guard our hearts and our minds as well. This peace comes from focusing on what is true and what is good and what is lovely. I want to share this quote with you. It says this, There is always something you could complain about, but a follower of Jesus knows that life is a gift and can choose to see beauty and grace in any life circumstance. One of the very unique things of Centennial Covenant Church, as I reflected on it, is I have noticed there are quite a few widows here in our church. These are women who, um, about seven of you, that possess beauty and grace and thankfulness, even though you have lived through some of the most painful and deepest loss and loneliness over the last weeks, months, even decades. An encouragement to you. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. And there's a gift for you. This gift from God. It's a gift of peace that comes from God. Peace that we can't understand. And it will continue to guard your hearts and minds. 
Just like these women, I know that there are others in our congregation that have also experienced deep hurt and deep loss. And you're choosing to live through beauty and grace in the midst of some very painful life circumstances. Let's continue to read at verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the peace, God of peace, will be with you. I like it also how the message phrases it. Let me read this. It says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not the things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. As we look back on the year 2020, it would be so easy to only look at the parts that were ugly, the disunity of the year, the tensions, the losses. It would be easy to look at those because there were so many for many of us. Looking on, back on the year, what if we did our best to focus what were things that we were grateful for, where God showed up and worked in our lives? The things that were noble and authentic, compelling and gracious. If we look again at verse 9, you will see that Paul tells us to not only think about these things, but put them into practice. This might include letting go of some hurts that you've really been hanging on to and not wanting to let go of. Maybe the practice is releasing someone or something that is not benefiting them or benefiting you. What do you need to celebrate that you have chosen to ignore instead? How do you want to root yourselves in the soils of Christ who nurtures and grows and even prunes us to be more like him? Friends, we are challenged to put into practice things that are true, noble, right, lovely, admirable. Take a reflection of your own life, of what you need to not only think about, but more importantly, put into practice in your own life as a way to honor God and his creation. One last reason I wanted to preach 
on Philippians chapter 4 is that Paul um, now has a large section of thanks to the church in Philippi for their financial support to him while he was in ministry. And this is found in verses 10 through 20. Since I too have been on the receiving end of receiving financial support and as a missionary from you, my home church, I also want to follow in Paul's example of giving thanks for your financial investment in all of us who are missionaries through Centennial Covenant, whether it's missionaries here in town or on the other side of the world. I'm so thankful for the missions committee here at our church who is this team that wanted to make sure that not only my funds were met, but that my emotional and spiritual support was strong while I was away. When COVID became a very serious situation in our world, and life as we knew it kind of came to a halt, it was the Centennial Covenant Church missions team that were the first ones to reach out to me, to ask if there was anything that you as a church could do from Colorado. And Pastor Carl even made time to call me on the other side of the world to have a phone call with me. Thank you for being a church of care, not only financially, but also emotionally and spiritually for your missionaries near and far. I wanna share a couple stories about what missions life was like in Argentina. Um, I can honestly say that no other missionary in the covenant went through a first year of missions like I did, including a worldwide crisis within the first month of being abroad. Even during the early days of the pandemic, I felt so honored to be included in to partner with churches and pastors in their everyday ministry experience. This included preaching and teaching, friendship, outreach, baptisms, officiating communion, and honestly, enjoying one of the most beautiful parts of the world, Patagonia. I was right in the heart of Patagonia. Now, in many countries, the pastors and the, the churches are made up of volunteers. The pastors work regular jobs, and they take on being a pastor as a volunteer duty for free. Of the eight covenant pastors that are in Argentina, there's only one that is paid. And this is a pastor um, named Pastor Ivan Carrasco and his wife, Pastora Sandra. You can see the picture here that I am with them. And he is the president of the denomination. Not only is he the president of the denomination, he's also the president of all of the Latin and Spanish-speaking churches in the denomination in the world. They have five grown children, as you see. One is married, and every single, each of the eight of them have a volunteer position with the church, where each of them are working at least 20 hours a week. One child is the worship pastor. She provides free music lessons also to people in the church or in the community 
so that they can become future worship leaders in their churches and also at their church in Buenos Aires. One child is the pastor of children's and family ministries. She's also the youth pastor. And they have such a heart for outreach that they have started doing outdoor Sunday school. So in this picture that you see here, this is um, a backyard, front yard of a family's home in a community that is really run down. And she is telling them about Jesus. This family in particular, along with their neighbors, did not know anything about Jesus. And the whole entire family of this home has come to know the Lord. One child is a graphic artist, and she also does a lot of the tech for the church, not only for the church, but also for the denomination and all of the Latin American churches. Their heart for evangelism and discipleship and community should be an example, really, to us, the North American church, of what it is to have dedication and sacrifice and trusting that God will provide every need that they might have. And God has been faithful to them. This church in Buenos Aires, I met them 18 months ago. And during the pandemic, they have tripled in size. The reason is, is as soon as March hit, all of the country of Argentina went into very, very strict lockdowns where we couldn't leave our homes. And the whole family started doing church daily from their homes. They did it through Facebook Live, and five days a week they would have worship, Bible study, and even a community time where people could call in and um, FaceTime in with videos to share together in an online platform. This was such an advanced um, way of doing church for a Latin American church that people started daily joining in from up to about 12 different countries. A different pastor shared the story with me about how he was asked to pastor a church that was five hours away as a volunteer. And he and his wife agreed to drive five hours away every weekend to preach the word of God to them. And one weekend on his way home alone, he was hijacked by someone with a gun. And the gunman pulled the trigger twice to kill him, and they both happened to be blanks. There was no gunshot. Pastor Beto said the only thing that made sense to his protection was that God was with him, and God knew his willingness to give his life to the church. A third pastor was, um, I want to share about, was in Bariloche. Bariloche is where I uh, was kind of my home base. They happened to own the church building that their church met at. And one thing to know about people in many of these third world countries is that they don't have credit cards. 
most everything is paid for with cash. And so when the lockdown happened, um, there was no way for the offering to come in. And these churches are churches that take an offering for everything. Every Bible study had an offering. Every time you showed up to church, there was an offering. And it was really to just help pay for the church as a whole and pay for the bills. But because the lockdown was so strict and severe, with police checks, even when you went to the grocery store to make sure you were going on your assigned day, they weren't able to have anyone come to the church to give the money. The pastor, realizing that some families only were eating one meal a day, decided to sell a car to make ends meet for the church, to pay the bills. And he was doing this as a volunteer. This is a pastor who lives on faith and has a prayer life, a prayer life unlike any I have ever seen before. I felt so honored that these pastors and their families became friends of mine and that I was able to share my gifts of joy and friendship and love with them. I was able to stay in each of their homes and get to know their families. When I was finally realizing I needed to come home early, it was July. My mom had been diagnosed with cancer again, and COVID was really hitting the world hard. So I needed to figure out how to get from Bariloche to the other side of the country, Buenos Aires. This is a 48-hour drive round trip. There were no trains, there were no buses, there were no planes. Even international planes had been canceled for many months. So I took one of the first flights available, and it was a pastor who was willing to drive me the 48 hours by car in order to get to the airport with permission from both the American embassy and the Argentine embassy. These churches were in crisis, yet they still wanted to serve me. As I was there, I was trying to think, how can I serve them in return? Part of my own fundraising for being a missionary was to have ministry money. I was thinking this would be for taking kids to ice cream or buying Bibles or Bible study materials for the churches. But there was much, much deeper need. So after prayer, I decided to contact Pastor Ivan the president, and give him a large chunk of money. And I asked him to distribute it to each of the churches. Centennial, you were so gracious to me in my giving that your money that you gave me went straight to these churches. Your financial contributions were able to help these people in deep need. 
When I read the verses from Paul in chapter 4, starting at verse 11, I see the faces of these friends in Argentina who lived on faith, contentment, and joy in all circumstances. Here's verses 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And also in verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I truly believe that my time in Argentina helped me enter more into contentment of being here in the States during COVID, of being 41 and living in my high school bedroom, (laughs) of being a caretaker for my mom, or being just a nanny and not working my professional job. I was willing to release my expectations of what my life was supposed to look like. I was wanting to heal from some painful situations in my past. I wanted to receive comfort. I learned to celebrate the small things in order to experience joy. I wanted to see what God was giving me through this. Well, one of the gifts, besides being able to be with my parents um, during this season, which has been such a gift to me, was the family that I nanny for. I never would have expected this at all. This is a family who knew very little about Jesus. And the stories of this gift of God would make you both laugh and be in awe of how discipleship is now happening in this home because God placed me with this family. Now, when I arrived at their home in August, um, I took a very big risk. I asked the parents if it was okay if I gave the kids uh, a Jesus storybook Bible. I was nervous. I'm a pastor. I'm a children's pastor, but I still get nervous wanting to do evangelism. The family said, yeah, that sounds great. So I start sharing stories about Jesus and his life with the kids. Every day they ask, what's the story going to be today? They cannot get enough of these YouTube videos that I have found with Saddleback kids. They love them. Something about knowing Jesus is making them more hungry. I was telling my best friend this, and she said, Lisa, don't you know that Jesus is attractive to people? That's who he is. He draws people towards him. And that's happening to these kids. Well, the almost three-year-old has stolen baby Jesus from the manger, and we have days where we can't find baby Jesus. Baby Jesus goes to nap time, 
Baby Jesus goes with him everywhere. And the five-year-old, she saw her first little Christmas pageant that I found for her. And she immediately wanted to make her own Christmas pageant. So we pulled out the costumes and we got my phone out and started recording the Christmas pageant. And she was the narrator where she was telling the theology of, of what was happening. What's incredible is that she was getting most of it correct. I love the part when she said, and Jesus was born to be our savory. That's right, our savory. Not only is Jesus the savior of the world, but he also is savory for us. And when we imitate that life of Christ, when we take the risk to share Jesus with others, we get to be the salt of Jesus, the savory of his goodness to them as well. Our gift in return is that we get a front row seat of seeing what God is doing as he is getting to know them more and more. My cousin reminded me this week to end 2020 well, to finish well, to not focus on the negative. And she said, I don't like finishing well because that means I have work to do. I get it. She doesn't like having to say goodbye or ask for forgiveness. We don't like letting go of our hurt and pain sometimes, just like this last year. But it would be so good for us to enter 2021 well and finish well this year. So instead of letting our hearts and our minds to continue to see the ugly, to see the pain, the brokenness of the past year, how can we set our hearts on minds on things that are lovely, admirable, true, pure, excellent, and praiseworthy? Ask yourself, what have I learned this year? How did God use me? And what posture should I use entering 2021? Friends, if you ask of the Lord, he promises that he will provide for you more than you can ask or imagine. It all just starts with our hearts and our minds. I had no idea that for me in 2020, my most fruitful missionary experience would be with a three-year-old and a five-year-old in Aurora. But God knew. Seeing them grow in God is more than I could have ever asked or imagined. That is for sure. It is only fitting to end our sermon with the very last verse now of chapter four of Philippians. It says this, Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, 
for your gifts of grace and joy and comfort. And Lord, we pray for our hearts and our minds to be focused in imitating you so that others can see who you are as well. Forgive us for things that we have held, held on to. Forgive us, Lord, for the pains that we have also caused. And Lord, we pray for our, our world. We pray for our world who is hurting. We pray for the unrest. We pray for those who are sick or in the hospital. We pray for those who are feeling like they cannot wait any longer. We pray for energy and for wisdom for our first responders, for doctors and nurses. We pray, Lord, for continued patience for our teachers and parents during homeschool. We pray, Lord, for our pastors, Lord, that you would provide rest that they need. We thank you for our pastors. Lord, we pray for our government and our leaders that you would give them wisdom and decisions. Lord, we love you and we trust you. And we now enter this new year with our eyes on you. For you are so good to us, God. Amen. <laughs>